Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. We are in our last chapter of Brace for Impact, uh, talking about preparing your soul for difficulties anytime in life, uh, maybe even in our own culture. And the ideal here is to prepare your soul with what we've been calling faith rest. You've got faith, and you can rest in what we'd say your mind, your soul. You could call that a stronghold. Uh, the stronghold, the fortress of your soul, you can have rest in there because of your faith. Now, this faith is not imaginary. It's not blind faith. It's, it's information. It's facts. It's, it's knowledge. It's experience you've got with God that you, you know this is true. It's because God is a person, and you can know what he's done in your life. You, have, you can see the, the universe. You can start with general revelation, work it all the way down to the basic scriptures you do understand, and you can place faith in that. But faith is going to go beyond knowledge, beyond understanding. Just like my faith in Tony, I can know certain things about Tony, but just because Tony leaves the house, I can't see her. Well, I still have faith in her. I still know her. And God is going to take us, and we're going to see in Habakkuk, the last chapter, enter the high place. Uh, God is going to allow in our lives things to happen that are beyond uh, facts or beyond our understanding, beyond us, beyond Bible teaching, you know, point one, point two, here's what's happening. It's like, it's like, uh, we have no way, we have lost contact. We do not know what's taking place. And you can see this in the disciples' life. Jesus would explain things. They wouldn't understand it. They had to eventually just go to this place called faith. Again, sometimes we're going to understand. Sometimes everything's justified. But sometimes things don't seem fair. They seem unjust. They seem out of control. History seems out of control. And that's where God, throughout, if, it's, if it's Habakkuk, if it's Jeremiah, if it's the disciples, there's this area, uh, and this comes right out of Hebrews chapter 4, faith rest. You're going to enter the rest. And you can't just do that. You can't just, you can't just do that uh, when you need to. You just can't all of a sudden, well, I'm going to become a Christian or you know, just go to this lollipop church and then all of a sudden interface. You're going to have to, you're going to have to uh, prepare for it. Thus, prepare your soul. You, you can, just like uh, before uh, there's a disaster, you start making preparations. Oh, I use an example in the book, uh, which is not a great, it's not like, oh, wow, you're so insightful. It's like, if you're going to have a harvest in the fall, you've got to plant crops in the spring. You can't just go out. I can't go out in my yard. I've been watering grass all summer. I can't go in my yard and go, where's my crop? Well, you didn't prepare. You didn't plant anything. And so in times of peace, you prepare for war. And we're at a time, we've got some time in our history right now, in our culture, we can see things declining. Uh, if it's just momentary, if it's something that's going to continue, uh, if it's going to become a disaster like where Habakkuk's life is going, because Habakkuk is writing in 606 B.C. Now, this is right after Josiah's revivals. Josiah's already found the book of the law. They've already read it. Jeremiah's already sided with the reading of the law and has told the people, follow the law. We read a little bit about that last week. So Jeremiah and Josiah are in full swing. Uh, the Assyrian Empire has, is, is totally collapsed. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, has been leading Nebuzaradan's military, and he has defeated at Car the battle at Carchemish has taken place. And uh, they're heading towards 605, which is going to be the first deportation. Daniel's going to go into captivity and many of the royal children with Nebuchadnezzar. Then there's going to be 597, 
where Nebuchadnezzar is going to come back with his forces, surround Jerusalem, and in a sense conquer it. Not, not burn it down, but he's going to put the puppet king Zedekiah, one of Josiah's, his third son, will be the king, Zedekiah, for the last ten years. And Nebuchadnezzar is happy. He's got a king on the throne paying him tribute. But Zedekiah, against Jeremiah's advice, is going to decide, well, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to sign with the Egyptians and rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. Sounds like a very patriotic thing to do. In 586 then, or 587 when he rebels, and in 586, Nebuchadnezzar is going to come in and level the place. So when we read these things tonight in Habakkuk, Habakkuk is complaining to God, and it's, it's very, very interesting, because he's complaining about his society, uh, his culture. They are very uh, uh, unjust. They're very unfair. They're very lawless. Uh, you can see in his own words, the elite are taking control and driving the middle class into poverty. You can see it in his writings. And the middle class is fighting back, but the system's rigged against them. Uh, interesting, because this plays into, he goes, I, I wrote this book, not just to write a book, to say, well, here's an idea, but kind of because of our current situation. And, uh, and I've, I've said it before, but it's always interesting to hear someone that knows what they're talking about say something. But I watched a video today, just one of those little video clips pops up. Dennis Prager says, uh, you know, he was saying, you know, you don't call it COVID, just call it the lockdowns. He says, it, 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 it was, it, what, what it was, was it was lockdowns. Don't call it COVID. And he says, if you notice what happened was the rich got richer and the middle class lost ground because they left the big corporations, Walmart and stuff, you can be open, but the small places, you had to be closed. It was a enforced lockdown to separate. This is Dennis Prager. This is not Galen Weimers. I, I mean, this is what I, you think you're seeing, and it doesn't mean Dennis Prager is what right, but what Dennis Prager was identifying our culture state is exactly the state of Habakkuk's culture in 606. And they got richer, and so the middle class got driven down. You know, businesses got lost, money was lost, but then the government says, oh, no, don't worry, we'll give you some money. And now they give you money, which then causes inflation, which crushes you again. So it's like a double whammy. You've got the lockdowns. Oh, we'll, we'll help you. And they print money, which drives you further down. And so where you were in 2018, you're further behind in 2000, or 2020, whatever, wherever we're at. And again, the reason I'm saying that is not to point a finger at anybody or anything, but to say, we can see something like potentially happening, and disagree with me, uh, but it was definitely happening in Habakkuk's day, and Habakkuk was, like we might be, going to God in prayer, and this is what I'm saying, this is what the book's about, going to God in prayer saying, please, we want to pray for our leadership, we want better leadership in our country, we want a better economic system in our country, we want, we want you to help us, and God is saying, yeah, I am going to help. I'm going to bring in China. And China is going to drive you into the ground. If you think it's bad now, wait till China gets here. It's like, oh, time out. You, you miss, must have misunderstood my prayer. He says, no, I'm going to deal with the injustice, but I'm going to deal with it in the right time. And he said, he's got to go all the way back. After this book, he's going to have to live for 20 years. And he, if he lives long enough, I'm not sure how long he lived, Jeremiah lived to see it, he's going to see the total collapse of the culture, and he's going to die like Jeremiah is going to die and never see it come back. It, it's, it's over. And so when he starts 
talking at the end of the book, and he says, he's going to say at the end of the book, he says, if, even if there is nothing, I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord my Savior. Because the, his Savior, our Savior, is not the economy, not the politicians, not all the social things. Our Savior is always, in good times or bad times, the Lord, Jesus Christ. And if, if this is going wrong here, if your hope and your trust is here, and this collapses, you go with it. If you've got a stronghold, a, a place of rest, a, a place of fortress, uh, you can enter the high place. And as everything's going down, you can still find, you can separate from that and still find joy in the Lord knowing it's not going to happen in my lifetime. I'm not going to see it, but the Lord is my salvation. Now, again, that's not, that's not just positive thinking. That's not just you know, being delusional. That's not just taking your eye off the ball and get distracted by something else, like turning up the music or something. That's realizing this is temporary and we're playing for something eternal. We're playing for something bigger than the eternity. Now, again, it's always nice when you've got something in the temporary that's working and we see God blessing and, and functioning. But when God moves in and starts taking down a society, uh, this is the place, this is the only place the righteous can go because you're not going to live on a little bubble somewhere and, you know, nothing's going to protect. Now, some people would want to teach that, uh, but you can see when, when they came in and burnt Jeremiah's city, Jeremiah smelt like smoke. I mean, he didn't have food. He was in chains. When they took Daniel captive, Daniel went to Babylon. When they turned him into eunuchs, Daniel went through the procedures, if you know what I'm talking about when I say that. Uh, I mean, it's like they, they went through the whole thing. But the difference was God was with Jeremiah, or Jeremiah, I was, you know, God was with Jeremiah, but the idea there, Jeremiah was with the Lord. Daniel was with the Lord. Uh, and that's where we want to be. So I'm going to look on the notes right here. This is the last chapter, page 157. What I say on the first page, Habakkuk prophesied in 606, 20 years later, all this took place. Uh, the second paragraph, Habakkuk describes his culture, and I'll read this to you in the text in a moment, described the culture of Jerusalem in 606 B.C. as being filled with social injustice. The elite oppressed the middle class into poverty, resulting in strife and contention at the middle class as the middle class attempted to fight. Everything was at, there's tension everywhere as the middle class was trying to fight back. Uh, within a, and they were trying to fight back within a corrupt legal system that favored the ruling class. Obviously, in that kind of setting, any judicial decision would have been twisted and unjust. As Habakkuk told them, the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. You can go to court, but the law is like paralyzed. And when the decision comes, that's not the just decision. And that was there. That was he's not trying to identify America. Forget about America in 2022. He's talking about his culture. If you see a parallel, I can see a parallel. Uh, that's good. If you don't see a parallel, that's, that's fine also. Uh, this enabling atmosphere naturally resulted in the elite, which we would identify as the mockers last week's class, uh, or two weeks ago, further oppressing the wise, the fools, and the simple. So the mockers are going to be, even if you're wise, you're still going to be oppressed by the mockers in the ruling class. But not only are the wise, the simpleton who are following the mockers, they're going to get oppressed. I mean, there's, when the mockers in our country get voted into office, it's not the wise voting them into office. It's the simpletons. The simpletons that think, oh, this is a great idea. But you don't realize you're voting for someone that's going to oppress you. 
or the fools who just can't control themselves, you know, free money, free money, and they, they vote for it again. And so you've got the wise, we'd like to think we're the wise, but in our culture, it's not just the wise voting, it's the simpletons who just don't know, and the fools who can't control themselves for the benefits they think they're going to receive, they're voting also. And so uh, that's why it's important to have a, a society, especially in our republic or democracy, to have some kind of knowledge. Uh, I'm going to go to Habakkuk chapter 1, and I've got it written right there. I think that's probably the English Standard Version on your, on your notes. I'm reading from the NIV. And here it is, 606, 606 B.C., and we've got to move so we make this finish the book tonight so we don't spend another five weeks finishing the book. Chapter or, uh, 606 B.C., this is what Habakkuk says. Now remember, six, Nebuchadnezzar has not arrived yet. He has just finished his last battle against the, the Assyrians, crushing them in Carchemish, driving Egypt back. He's going to be coming down, driving Egypt back, and he's going to find out that Nebuchadnezzar, uh, or Nebuchadnezzar, his father, has, has died. He's going to go back and, and take the throne, but he's going to take some captives back in 605. Then he'll be back in 597 and finally destroy the city in 586. So we are 20 years, and in the next 20 years, you're going to see three deportations of Israelites and eventually the destruction of Jerusalem. But this is Habakkuk complaining about Jerusalem and their society in chapter 1, verse 2. And he says to God, he goes to God, just like, just like you would, goes to God in prayer. We have a problem. We ask for your help in our society. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence. And there's your buzzword, Hamas. That's the fourth generation identification word, Hamas, or violence. It's, it's not just, you know, burning buildings or breaking windows. It's, it's social oppression. It's social violence. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? That's what he's looking at every day in the news. Why do you tolerate wrong? These guys have been doing this wrong for years, and you just let them keep doing it. It's the same family in the ruling class, the same family in the priestly class, the same family in the, in the royal house. Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. When someone tries to fight back, it doesn't matter. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. And the wicked would be the mockers that are hemming. You just can't wait. And, and justice is perverted. So now it's like, okay, fix this. And God, he's a prophet, so God is going to answer him. Okay, I am Habakkuk. I'm going to fix it. Now, me and Habakkuk, we're like, okay, I'm going to step back. I'll get a good night's sleep tomorrow, and I'll open up the newspaper or open up the Internet or whatever, and I'll see, you know, this place has been destroyed and and this place has been removed and this new leadership has come in and thank god we're on our way back that's not what that's not the answer we get god says i've got this under control and what he's going to say is habakkuk i've been preparing for this moment for years i'm bringing in the babylonians in fact i've been preparing the babylonians for years i knew this was coming and now's their time the babylonians are coming and if you think your people are oppressive, the Babylonians are going to crush them. The Babylonians are going to crush your oppressors. These are, they are their, their, their God is them, themselves. They're, they have no standards. They don't even understand your culture. 
So I'm going to crush your culture with the Babylonians. And, and Habakkuk's like, thank God. No, it's like, what? No, 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 no. It's like, please, Lord, as a patriot in America, please deliver, make America great again. Well, here's what I'm doing. China's going to buy everything, and then they're going to make all the rules. It's like, well, Lord, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean, like, you know, make America great again. It's like, well, no, no, I'm going to take America out, and we're bringing in China. They don't even know you. It's like, no, they don't need to, but I've been preparing them for this very moment. But the Babylonians, they, they, they honor pagan gods. That doesn't matter. God's been preparing them for his purpose. It's like, now, right here, right here is where, wait, 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 that does not make sense. If I was God, these are the four basic answers to prayer I would have. And, and you just asked for answer number two. Here's answer number two. And God says, okay, yeah, yeah, my, my list is, I know, I've been working for eternity. I've got a huge list. Some of these answers you won't even understand. But I'm going to give you 6,433 answer, and uh, this is what it is. It's like, what? That, that's, that's not an answer. Okay, oh, yeah, it's a great answer. And, and now that's where faith rest would have to come in because you cannot teach that. You can't say, uh, here's this. This is just that place you just point and say, you, have, you don't understand this, but you do know God, and you have faith in God, you trust God, and so, now, now understand, Habakkuk's not going to just slip into this easily, go, okay, what's interesting here is you, we're going to, if I keep reading, you're going to hear him, like, debating and arguing, just like Peter did with Jesus. Peter, Jesus asked the disciples, went up to Caesarea Philippi, who do you think I am? They say, you're, you're, you're the son of God. GP says, you're, you're the son of God. And Jesus says, that's right. And now what's going to happen is I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. They're going to mock me, spit on me. They're going to hand me over the Gentiles. I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to be, I'll, I'll die. And Peter goes, no, 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 no. No, not, that's not what's going to happen. Because if you're the son of God and you march into Jerusalem, you take over, you throw out all the priests, you destroy the Romans, and we set up your kingdom. Are we ready, boys? Yes. In fact, we've, we've got some ideas. We've got some ideas. And, and Jesus is going in and saying, no, I'm going to go down there and die. No. And, and, and Jesus looked at Peter and rebuked him and called him Satan and says, you don't have in mind the things, you're working off this four-point punch list, and they're all average, normal, carnal answers to your prayer, and I'm working an eternal plan, and he rebuked him. And it, that's not because Habakkuk was dumb, or Peter was dumb, or we're dumb. It's because we see things in this, in this, from this frame right here. And we've got, to, if we're going to have God's answers, we're going to have to be able to let go and trust God and that's where faith rest comes in. Sometimes I will be able to explain. Sometimes you'll be able to explain. But sometimes, and if you're not ready for it, if, you're, if you are, there, let's say there's wise, simple, and foolish believers. Again, without identifying, classing it all out, making it absolutely iron proof. Uh, the wise believer would be the one who's able to make that transition to, I don't understand that. I, does, I don't think that sounds fair, but I'm going to trust God, and Jesus is going to go to his execution, and the Babylonians are going to come in, and I'll trust God. The foolish and the simple are going to rebel. They're going to abandon the faith. They're going to give up. They're going to, they're going to try to manipulate one of these other answers. They're going to give up the faith. They're going to renounce God. 
uh, so, you know, that, that, that are they saved, are they not saved? Those that aren't saved, that were just faking it, they're gone. Those that don't have any information that would say maybe are the foolish, like the Galatians, you foolish Galatians, that don't have an, they don't have some substance, they, don't have, they haven't prepared their soul, they're going to freak out and leave. We want to be of those who are the wise that when we get an answer like this, that we can, okay, I, I don't understand it, but it does sound like something God would do. Because if I remember the crucifixion, I remember Habakkuk, go through Jeremiah. I mean, go through Job. I mean, it's not like this is a, a random story in the Bible. It's, it's repeated throughout the scriptures of God doing something bigger than his audience was expecting. And those with faith are able to make the transition go, okay, I'll follow, but I don't know where I'm going. Exactly. Now, you're not blindly following. We'll say that again. You're not blindly following because you know some information. You just know this guy's got the answers, but he's got answers that I don't understand. Okay, so here. Uh, Habakkuk's just complained. He's just prayed. God says, chapter, chapter 1, verse 5, he says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. Now, in other words, get your eye off your, so, so, your society, your local Jerusalem politics, step back and look at the nations. Look at the big picture. This is bigger than your local political issue. Watch the nations and be amazed. I'm going to answer your local political issue with a worldwide answer. Meaning, I'm controlling history. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. In fact, he's going to be told, and he's not going to believe it. I am raising up the Babylonians. And raising up doesn't mean he's going to start right there. He's in the process of raising. I mean, he's been getting them the best technology, the best military, the best training, the best leaders are all coming through Babylon. And who, who's doing it? God's doing it to take out Israel or Judah. Uh, I'm raising up the Babylonians. And he identifies them, so you have no doubt. Well, because they're godly and they trust God. Because they're faithful. Uh, they believe in the things that I believe in. No, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. I mean, they just overthrew the Assyrians. They are a law to themselves. They don't follow God's law. They follow their own law and promote their own honor. They don't seek God's honor. They seek their own honor. Well, how can God work with somebody like that? That's exactly what I'm looking for, someone like that to come in and destroy Jerusalem. But as you read on through Jeremiah, they're going to be punished for all these cases. It's not like God's going to say, well, just you know, look the other way. They're going to act like this. But while they're acting like this, God says, oh, I, I can use that. I will use that to overthrow Judah. And when they've overthrown Judah, ah, then I'll take up the issue with Babylon and all their godlessness. And he does. And that's the book of, of uh, Jeremiah talks about it. Ezekiel talks about that. Uh, talks about all, it goes through their, their horses are swifter. Go looking down at verse 9. And they all come bent on violence. And violence, again, is the word Hamas. And I've got written in my note right here, just a little footnote. That means a superior attitude towards other nations, prejudice that justify their mistreatment of other people. So they're going to be coming in, and they're not going to be coming in with all men are created equal. They're coming in with the idea that we are the superior race, and you are like fish. And we will crush you because we are Hamas. We are violent. We are going to bring social injustice. Oh, you're crying out for mercy? Here's some mercy. There. Decapitation. Next, you want, it's like, what? What is that? That's, that's the way they view the world. 
and God is bringing them into here. It's like, and you should hear back. And Habakkuk, of course, his stomach is, he's hearing God say this. I'm reading it to you, and you're trying to decide, is that the right translation? Is that the right word? Is that being explained right? Habakkuk is hearing it as a prophet from God, and he's, he's feeling sick. He, it's like, oh my gosh, this is, and, and God is explaining this to him uh, as a revelation. Okay. Okay, now here comes Habakkuk, verse 12. Habakkuk says, now you'd think, if Habakkuk was a man like me, I understand, Lord, may your will be done. And then I'd rest in faith, and I'd go on with my life. But Habakkuk is not at the same level I'm at, so he's going to push back a little bit. And, oh, Lord. He, and he begins, and he goes all theological on it. Oh, Lord, are you not from everlasting? First, he starts identifying the, the nature of God, the character traits of God. Are you not from everlasting? You know, meaning there's nothing older, nothing more wise you're from everlasting. My God, my Holy One, we will not die. Meaning, he's not saying, he's not, you know, making pronounce. It's like, no, no, we won't die. We, we're your people. We're, we're the, the seed of Abraham. I mean, for, you're from everlasting, and we're in the covenant. So theologically, you're not going to use the wicked to destroy your seed. So I'm missing something here. And so he's going to all feel, I mean, he's, he's not just a prophet having this mystical, magical vision. He's biblically literate, doctrinally solid, and starts throwing doctrines up to God like, okay, you're from everlasting. You're not going to destroy your people. Oh, Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. That would be like a question. You've appointed them to execute judgment on us? I was just going to because we've got a problem with our society. I want you to fix it. But you're bringing in the Babylonian. You've had eternity to prepare for this, and you're bringing in a people that is totally godless to judge us. You've appointed them to ex execute judgment. O rock, you have ordained them to punish. Then he says this. You can't work with the Babylonians because your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. So how can you get in the same army as the Babylonians and march with them? And now you can hear that voice of all the prophets where God calls his army and directs his army, and the army he's using is the Assyrians or the Antichrist, or he's using some enemy army. It's like, and who's directing it? I, the Lord. It's like, what? No, you're supposed to be protecting us. No, I'm, I'm leading the army in. And then he'll turn on them because they're, they're wicked. But why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Talking about the Babylonians. First, he's complaining about Israel or Judah. Now he's complaining about God's answer because why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Why do you, when the Babylonians, swallow up the more righteous Judaites? You have made men like fish in the sea to the Babylonians because they, they're superior. They're Hamas, socially superior. Like sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked, and he goes through and identifies, he goes through and uh, catches them and sacrifices to his gods and you know continues to talk and then chapter two interestingly chapter two verse one that was Habakkuk, Habakkuk start off with an innocent prayer do something about our culture God says I am I've been preparing the Babylonians for many years they're going to crush these guys they're going to bring in what you thought was Hamas they're going to bring in serious Hamas and then Habakkuk's like whoa 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 you're you're too holy to use the Babylonians that doesn't even make sense theologically that is that I did not learn that in seminary. That is not in my notes. Uh, how can this be? But he knows it's God, so he says, chapter 2, verse 1, 
as a prophet, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Exactly what a prophet does. He's watching for an answer. Ramparts, that's the walls of a city. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So he says, that doesn't even make, theologically, that makes no sense at all. But he knows it's God's plan. So how are you going to explain this, Lord? I'll wait. And he's not being like an attitude. It's just like, uh, this wasn't in any of the textbooks. I do not know where you're getting this, but I've got to somehow explain this. So explain it to me. And that's, what he, that's how he ends up, you know, I'll wait. Chapter 2, verse 2. Then the Lord replied, which is really nice. I mean, how many times do you say something like a back and then you just get another cup of coffee? I mean, it's like, and it's like, and the Lord, you don't, you don't know. I mean, you read your Bible, you know. But the Lord answers Habakkuk, which is kind of nice. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. In other words, what I'm going to tell you, I want you to write it down so it is in the textbooks. So it is available to cover on the, instead of just having four points of answers, you now have a fifth answer. You now have another point. This is now becoming my answer. Write it down. Write it down on the revelation. And what I'm going to say, write it down. Make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and will not delay. Now, we could go through that and break that all down, and we have in the past, but the key that's coming out of that is I'm going to tell you something new, write it down, send it, because other people are going to want to know this. It's going to have to become knowledge, because others are going to use this information because my answer is for the future. What I'm going to say is you are not going to see this answer, Habakkuk. You're going to see the Babylonians and the destruction. But what is taking place is something I'm preparing for in the future. Now, you're going to be here someday in the future, but you are going to have to wait for it. Understand? Trust me on this. Now, this what's happening right here, I think, is so pertinent in life. I mean, anybody's life different areas, different times in your life, I would assume, especially at the end of someone's life, when they're, they're struggling, they're dying, something strange is going on. How do you explain this? There's, there's no answer here. There's no answer coming, but I'm going to give you some information. I'm doing something. You're not going to see it. You're going to have to experience it at a future time, so you are just going to have to wait for it. I'm not answering your prayer today. It's like, well, well, what, what about... Now, the weak believer, the foolish believer, the simpleton will fall away. The wise believer will understand this. And that's what, what we've been talking about in this book. There's, there's 10 chapters we went through of things that you can trust that God is saying, and this was actually one of them. You're going to have to wait for it. It's like, you haven't lost a, a martyr. Paul got his head cut off. He didn't lose. In fact, he was talking about the victory. He was talking... If you remember, it's a great example. Paul was talking in 2 Timothy. He says, uh, I was delivered from the lion's mouth. This captures the whole thing. He was delivered from the lion's mouth. And so the simpleton, the simple Christian, he was delivered from the lion's mouth. 
So Nero must have set him free. No, 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 no. He was sentenced to decapitation. He stood in Nero's court, and the, the lion was Satan trying to get him to compromise, to give up, to somehow weasel his way out. But he held his ground. He says, no one stood with me, but the Lord stood by my side, and I, I proclaimed the gospel so all the Gentiles could hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. You mean they let you go? No, 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 they cut my head off. But I proclaimed the gospel in front of Nero, in front of all of his, his advisors, the judges, any of the witnesses that were there. I stood without flinching and proclaimed the gospel, and every one, every one of those hearts heard the truth. And it's like yeast. When the, when the truth goes in, it spreads everywhere. And so he did his job. So he wasn't delivered. Well, yeah, he was. He didn't compromise. But he got his head cut off. Okay, you're missing the point. <laughs> you're just trying to stay alive. If you're just trying to stay alive, don't become a Christian. Join the society. If you're trying to make an eternal impact, become a Christian and go after it. And you'll be able to understand that when it comes time to testify, you'll be delivered from the lion's mouth and you might get your head cut off and you'll be excited about it because you did it. I didn't flinch. And how many... <laughs> I mean, I struggle. I struggle with, you know, it's like, if you could just be like me. It's like, I struggle with that. And, and I wonder how many people, how many Christians, what, how do they teach that? In fact, I've heard them. And Paul was delivered from the lion's mouth. No one could touch Paul. That's stupid. That's, any, he got stoned. He talks about being stoned. He was beaten by the Jews. He was beaten by the, the Romans. He was in prison. He got his head cut off. He was harassed the entire time. But he didn't, he, he finished the race. His last words in Timothy, uh, how do you say it? I, I fought the good fight. I, I finished the race. I kept the faith. I crossed the stinking finish line. Yeah, but you're all beat up and no one liked you. And it's like, okay, you're missing the point. And Habakkuk is right here being told in a similar fashion. This speaks of the end. It will not prove false. God's word will not prove false. It will take place. It will certainly come and will not delay. And then it goes through and talks about verse 4. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not right. And it begins to identify now Satan, uh, the kingdom of darkness, which Nebuchadnezzar is working for, that's being used like a pawn to bring about God's plan. And so we could read through all that. That's chapter 2. We could continue to chapter 3. Uh Chapter 3, verse 1, right there, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Shigonith. And, and we went, went through that earlier. Uh, this was a, a, became a psalm, a song that was sung in the temple. And it's all written out right here. It even tells you what instrument to play when you play it. But what we're looking for here at the very end, if you don't mind, it, it, you, there's a couple places where it says Selah. In there, there's one, two, three places where it says Selah. And from my best understanding is the way I teach that is that that means this is a song, a psalm that's being sung. It's got instruments. But at that point right there, you've just said something profound in your lyrics. It's time for you to stop singing words and think about what you just said as the instruments start playing. In other words, instead of just singing all the little, I haven't been in church for 20 years, so I'm not sure what they're doing anymore, but they used to like put things up on the screen and you just sing all these flashcards, like elementary school doing math problems. 
and, uh, and you'd sing these words. It's right here where you stop, you take the, the words off or you leave them there or whatever, and you stop singing, and everyone just stops and think. Do you understand? Think about what you're singing. And it'd be, a, it'd be like something that would be a, a kind of a heavy thought that you'd want to reflect on, not just sing your words and go, you know, get coffee. Um, and there's three of those selahs within there. So, uh, verse, verse, I'll begin in verse 14 of chapter 3. I mean, obviously, I'm rushing through the book of Habakkuk tonight. And you can be critical if you want to, and you should be. But at 3, verse 14, with his own spear, you pierced his head. This is talking about the defeat of the enemies of the Lord. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding, you trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. Verse 16, Habakkuk writes, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. And what he's talking about there is as he's hearing this disaster, the conflict between good and evil and this finding out, it's like, I mean, even Habakkuk, it, and again, I think all of us, if we understood, we would, our hearts would pound, our lips would quiver, decay would creep into our bones in the sense that we're weak, our legs trembled, and, and he's overcome with what God is doing in history. It's, it's too much. But he goes here, he goes to that, that safe place, he goes to faith rest, he goes to that stronghold where he knows God. Everything is collapsing around him, and here it is. Yet, he says, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Babylon's going to just lay us waste, but I will watch and I will wait because their day is coming. Though the fig tree does not bud and there, is no, there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there is no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. In other words, the economy is zero. It's not coming back. The buildings are gone. They're not coming back. Academics, education, you know, they're gone. Uh, everything is gone, and it's never coming back. In a, it's, it's being burned to the ground. What are you going to do? He says, I will yet, 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 meaning this is not my source of hope. This is not my source of hope yet. He says, I will hope in God. And uh, God, I'll say God, I'll read it here. I'll rejoice in the Lord, my Savior. He says, <laughs> I really appreciate that because it's so embarrassing when you go back and I'm editing videos it's like, no, that word was on for 20 minutes. It was on the board. So anyone tunes in together, you know, you know, something spelled wrong. It's like, okay, this guy's an idiot. They go to the next video. Hey, that may be the case, but I'd like to have it at least get past the spelling. Thank you, Tony. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And here it is. And if you can do that, if you can make that, if you can let go of this and put your hope in God, then he says this. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. What's that mean? He enables me to go on the heights. And then it tells you right here, for the director of music on my stringed instruments. So it's, a, it's I think, I, in my mind, this is being played again. Uh, it's, a, it's a guitar band. It's loud. It's got back, it's got drums. 
uh, backup singers. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's something 70s, 80s rock band playing this right here with stringed instruments. Again, that's in my mind, but, you know, choose your music. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to go on the heights. And if you go to the back page of the notes, where is this high place? He, he, see, all, there, there's nothing left. It, it's, not a, it's not a physical location. Everything in Jerusalem is gone. Or, and he's going to spend 20 years watching this take place. How would you like to be Habakkuk or be Habakkuk today and know where America is going to be in 20 years? Just assume we're going to go to a decline where there's nothing left. How would you like to know the details of what's going to take place in the next 20 years? Would you rather be Habakkuk or just be us going like, this just doesn't look right, this just doesn't look right, and just keep watering your grass and going to work or whatever you're doing? I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to be a prophet and know what's going to take place, but it's also nice to just be like, well, one day at a time. And Habakkuk knew all this was taking place. And he, and he knew it wasn't going to come back, that he was going to, there's, there's no grapes, there's no food, there's nothing in the stall, there's nothing, and it's not coming back. Well, it's hopeless. It's like, no. I have the Lord. I will put my, some people say hop, but hope in the Lord. And because his hope is in the Lord, he's able to go to what we were talk, start off in this book talking about, faith rest. He's going to be able to endure. Imagine some people are going to just be freaking out, obviously, as the dead bodies pile up and buildings burn. But guys like Jeremiah and Habakkuk, although they were, how were they, were they stunned? Read the book of Lamentations. That's Jeremiah, the great prophet's reaction to watching Jerusalem burn. I mean, he's crying. He's, it's not like, well, they're just cold-hearted. Well, this is what God said. He's, gonna. he's like still pleading. He's still like, what is, what is going on? I mean, they're still struggling with it, but they're operating from a place of faith rest where they've got trust in God. They haven't given up. And on page 161 of your notes, it's, I think it's like the third page at the top, uh, he makes me, uh, in the NIV it says, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. In uh, the book on page 160, a God, is the, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He makes me tread on high places. So we'll, that, that's, you know, in NIV it says, he, he uh, enables me to go on high places. Here it says, makes me tread on high places, right here. The word tread or walk is it's Derek, D-A-R-A-K in the Hebrew, which means to march. He puts you in a place where you can march. You've got good footing. You're marching. You're going somewhere. You're on a mission. Habakkuk is saying that his soul is in a high, strong, now this is my words on page 161, his soul is in a high, strong tower where he can remain at rest even when everything outside is chaotic, no harvest, no food, no economy, uh, no physical signs of hope or deliverance. And Habakkuk knew his salvation was not in the harvest or in the strength or in the economy. His place of protection uh, was not in provisions. Uh, it was a good thing because he said, I say he doesn't have it for another 20 years. Uh, and the bottom, second bottom paragraph, Habakkuk's Lord was the God of his strength. And because he was, because he was able to understand these concepts and his mind remained focused on them, Habakkuk was able to enter God's rest and tread forward courageously in the security of a soul fortified by reality and truth. And that right there, that, that, those three lines right there is, is the essence of this book. Is if you, if you can find this place of faith rest, if you can know information that God is in control, 
that you've got to wait for it. Uh, in your weakness is strength. All those, those 10 things we went through. Uh, you may get decapitated, but you're going to be delivered from the lion's mouth because you're going to be able to maintain your Christian witness to the end. If you can identify those things as the victory, you can remain in this place of faith rest. And then I'll read this again. Uh, he was able, well, this is a goal, our goal, able to understand these concepts. And your mind is able to remain focused on them you'll be able to enter God's rest and tread forward, even as everything else is declining. You maybe are losing here, but your soul is still making progress. You're still making spiritual advances, even in the time of disaster, because you understand this. You're, you're not freaking out in the world. You're in this place of faith. Now again, Jeremiah wrote Lamentation. He felt the pain. He smelt the smoke. He suffered the hunger of Jerusalem falling, but he stayed with the Lord. And, and that's, what the, that's what the heroes of faith would do. Uh, many times they ask questions. Job, a hero of faith, but questioned God. Jeremiah, a hero of faith. God took him aside a couple times, chewed him out. Habakkuk, here, a prophet questioning God. Peter, telling Jesus he's got a better plan than the crucifixion, which makes complete sense because how is Peter supposed to say, aha, I was expecting it. When I was a little kid in synagogue, I thought, you know what? This is going to be a crucifixion of the Messiah. I mean, no one understood that. Everyone is going to be, everyone is confused as God pushes his plan forward. And if you're going to bail out the minute you get confused, you are a simple, foolish Christian. The, only the wise You'll get confused or able to regain. Watch, Habakkuk, it, he still questioned, but he regained his footing so much so that he can use the word tread. I will tread in the high, I will continue to march and make progress in the high places even while everything is falling apart. And that is really our goal. Uh, that is ultimately the goal uh, because you may not be Paul facing Nero. You may not be Habakkuk facing the decline of your culture into total collapse, but you are going to go the way of humanity. You are all going to eventually face death at some level coming at you from some way that you don't even know how it's going to happen. And are you going to just, I mean, the, the last great test of any believer is going to be death. How do you face death? I mean, do you just, you know, freak out or do you embrace the concept that, you know, I'm waiting for my reward. I'm going to God. There's something greater happening. Uh, obviously while you're here on life, we're not seeking death because we're here to serve, but there is going to come a time where your service is over and you're going to have to make that transition. And that's like the last great test of the believer. It's like uh, you can only prepare for it uh, uh, in a sense ahead of time because once it happens, it's like, or it's happening, uh, it's not like, wait a minute, I got to look up some verses. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's happening. I mean, some people have more time. They get time to prepare. Others do not. But nonetheless, uh, we have to be prepared. Our soul has to be prepared for impact. If it's going to be our society, if it's going to be a disaster at work, if it's going to be, you know, sickness, disease, if it's going to be death, we're living in a world that is full of impact. Uh, I wrote the book mainly for our society. It's like, get ready because things are going to get bad. And only the Christians that understand that God is in control are going to be able to continue without losing their faith. And my backup plan was, well, if that's not the case, if everything's going to be fine, well, then it still applies to other areas of life. That's kind of like a backup plan. We're all going to die, at least. So my goal, my, my audience, my, what I was looking for was the society, our nation, 
But if that's not the case, well, okay, we're all going to die. At least get ready for that. So brace for impact. That's it. We did it. <laughs> that's, that's the end. Well, I, yeah, I guess you can shut it off. Well, wait, I should pray. I should pray. I was going to ask if there's any questions or thoughts. Does anybody want to say something? Yes, sir. Or so corrections are also a way. Um, no, oh. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And it may, yeah, I don't either, but it may just be nothing more than just, because it was Jewish scribes translating it for the Greek audience. It may have just been their footnote. It's like, if this is confusing, the point is, which is the point. I mean, it, it fits perfectly. If you can't understand the book, it endure till the end, because the vision is coming. Well, I'll pray, and then if you want to say something, you certainly can. Father, we do thank you for the chance to be alive at this time in history. We thank you for your word and for your spirit. We do ask that we would strengthen our hearts, strengthen our souls, that we may be a people that we will not faint, that we will not fade back, but we will continue to do the things you've called us to. We do ask for a direction. We ask for clarification of the things you've called us to, that we would uh, be precise and active and, and do the things that would please you. And Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity to have confidence in you when all things fail, including our own selves fail. You are there to continue the plan and continue to lead us in your victory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your time.